really matters? That might be the most important question you can ask. So let's talk about it. Welcome to What Really Matters podcast, Everyday Spirituality with Karen Wyatt. Thanks for joining me here today for this episode, which as I'm recording it is going to be the last episode for 2022. Uh, This is the week before Christmas, but I'm planning to take next week off part of my self-care regimen to just take a week off during the holiday times to make sure... I can fully savor everything that's happening, being with my family, and just relaxing and enjoying the very end of the year. So after this episode, I'll be back in the new year with a brand new episode. And today I'm going to share with you kind of a look back at 2022 for me personally, and the 10 practices that I've been using this past year that have really made a big difference for me, because I can just tell you, uh, I've had a lot of growth happening in so many different ways this year, and it's been really powerful. And I really wasn't even expecting it. It seems like it came out of the blue in a way. But as I sat down to start looking at, well, what have I been doing this year? That's a little bit different than what I did before. And perhaps all of these things have come together to help me grow and transform in certain important ways. So uh, I'll tell you what my practices are, and then I guess I'll share with you some of the ways in which I've grown because of these practices. So to begin with, I'll, I'll cover some of the practices I've been doing for a long time, but I continue to do them. Um, I've been consistent and persistent with some of these practices I mentioned in the beginning, which I think is why sometimes there's a payoff after a long time. With some practices, we may not notice a lot of change happening right away when we first begin a practice. And it takes time and commitment to do these things regularly in order to make a difference. So the first one I'll mention is doing some sort of yoga stretches. I I use yoga poses and some flow yoga, but I use it primarily when I wake up in the morning to just stretch my body. And it has helped me a lot with flexibility because yeah, as we age, things start to tighten up our muscles and our, our ligaments and our joints and doing some yoga poses every morning just really helps me wake my body up, but also increase my flexibility for the rest of the day. And it helps me avoid a lot of joint soreness as well. So I've been doing that for years and years now. But I can say as I get older, there's a bigger payoff now than I even remember from the past. So certain yoga poses and stretches in the morning, maybe for just 15 minutes is all. Um, Number two, I also use mindfulness meditation off and on throughout the day. I don't have like long sitting sessions where, where I'm meditating, though I do, I do that occasionally. I have a cushion and I'll light a candle and sit and meditate for a time. But I'm at a place right now where 
I can kind of slip into mindfulness um, in, during any other activity or at times when I really need it to help me calm down and get perspective. So I use it often and I guess I trained myself in the past by committing to a regular sitting practice and now that state of mindfulness is very easy for me to get into whenever I need it and that really helps me monitor and manage my emotions. So I continue to use mindfulness off and on throughout the day, every day as a tool, and then occasionally a sitting practice when I really need it to restore my body. And actually, I'm going to need that uh, after the, the busyness of the holidays. So, uh, so I'm going to use that during next week when I have my self care week and take a week off, I'll be uh, doing some of that. And I'll be doing all these practices that week and spending even more time on them than I'm able to do in my day to day life. The other practice is journaling. And I love journaling. I have I've been doing it for years and years and years. I love it. I love to write. I love words. I love self reflection and self awareness. That's very powerful for me. And I admit there are I go through phases sometimes when I don't journal for a few weeks at a time, I let myself get too busy. And I think in my mind that I don't have time to journal. The moment I get back to it, I realize, oh, I always have time and I should be doing this every single day. I used to and I, I also go through long periods of time where I do journal every day regularly. It's just lately, I guess, since becoming a grandmother, I have more, more things happening and more responsibilities and commitments in my life. And sometimes the journaling slips away from me, but I continue to utilize it and it's very important and powerful for me. So that's the number, the third practice, number three. And number four, again, this is something I've also utilized for a long time, but that continues to be very powerful for me is breathing, breathing techniques. And anytime I begin to feel like tension and stress arising, I can utilize deep breathing to help me calm that down. I've talked about this before. If you take a deep breath uh, inhale, say for five counts, exhale for seven counts so that you prolong the exhale over the inhale. It triggers the relaxation response. It triggers the parasympathetic nervous system to fire, which helps your body relax. And it helps tone down the fight or flight response when you get a surge of adrenaline that can make your heart pound and your breathing speed up and make you feel tense. Sometimes you feel angry or anxious or fearful uh, when you get the fight or flight response. But just taking a couple of deep breaths can calm that right down. And that's an amazing tool that I utilize a lot. And sometimes I utilize it without even realizing it. Like I just take a deep breath before I start recording, which puts me into a more relaxed flow state as I record these podcasts. But I don't even really think about the fact that I do it. It comes naturally to me at times. And I've also noticed when I'm uh, helping with my granddaughter and helping her to go to sleep, I find myself taking long, slow, deep breaths, which also seems to help her like relax and calm down in my arms. Like my relaxation response helps her relax. And suddenly she's like just 
limp in my arms and falling sound asleep when I can get into that relaxed state instead of being in my head thinking, please go to sleep, go to sleep right now, we need you to go to sleep. I can just relax with some deep breathing. And that helps her relax as well. So it does tell me whenever I'm with other people, the more I can utilize that breathing technique to keep myself in a calm place. Um, the calmness ends up rippling out to others and other people do feel it and experience it. And you can bring down the tension level and the anxiety level in a room simply by remaining calm and using the breath to help you stay calm. And so I love it. It's a, such a powerful tool for me. And as I said, now, uh, oftentimes, I utilize it without realizing that that's what I have, that's what I'm doing to help me stay in a calm place. So that's my fourth tool, breathing. Um, the fifth tool or practice is just getting outside and walking or maybe hiking. Occasionally, I jog a little bit. I, I used to run all the time. I gave it up because of joint problems, but now I do short little jogging intervals at times. Uh, it doesn't work so well in the winter when I'm here in the mountains and the snow, it's a little too icy for that. But in the other seasons, when the roads are dry, I love, I've been doing this year, just a little bit of jogging intervals. It's fantastic. Just being outside, breathing in the air, just beholding nature wherever I am, even if I'm in a residential area, but noticing the landscaping, people's, their flowers, the trees in their yards. Um, it can be just so restorative to go for just a little walk. And even just a short 15 or 20 minute walk can make a huge difference. And so that's a practice that that I continue and carry on all the time, no matter where I live, except occasionally, like right now before the holidays, when I'm super busy, I have a massive to do list every day, I sometimes let go of the walking. And that is almost always a mistake. It's only in my analytical mind that I think I don't have time for that. So I'm not going to do that today. But actually, it's the one thing that would probably help me become more efficient and productive if I did keep doing the walking. I just forget it sometimes. That's something I'm still working on is trying to remember that the time I spend on all of these practices ends up coming back to me in terms of being more efficient and effective. So that's, that's the fifth practice. The sixth practice, which is something new that I've really started focusing on in the last year and a half, I would say, which is strength training. I'm doing a dumbbell weight program at home using videos and focusing on um, on strength training three to four days a week. And that includes, you know, arms and legs and core strength, um, also some balance and then full body strength exercises where I'm really utilizing my whole body um, to get stronger. And it has made an amazing difference. And I realize getting older again, muscles begin to deteriorate if we don't intentionally use them. And the strength training has been so important for me for 
just in, increasing my endurance, but also just, it's amazing, my core strength. And, and I'm so aware of it now, having a granddaughter who now weighs around 15 pounds. And so I regularly, you know, bend over and lift her up off the floor or off the couch, or I hold her and walk with her and bounce her up and down and carry her places throughout the day. And so my strength and stamina have improved so very much from doing the strength training. And she's part of the strength training. She's a workout for me on the days that I help take care of her. So uh, the weight training, I'm amazed at what a difference it makes, how how good I feel just getting up and down off the floor, um, picking things up, carrying groceries, all the little tasks I do during the day are much easier because I'm stronger. My back feels stronger. My core strength is better than I think it's ever been in my life because I've intentionally been working on it. And for some reason, this physical strength has really translated into more confidence. And it's really funny because I found myself just naturally becoming more assertive and taking better care of myself in general. And I think it's, I'm sure it's part of all of these practices combined in general, but specifically the strength training, getting physically stronger just reassures me that I can do hard things. And that's a that's a powerful knowledge to have about yourself that you can do something hard, you're strong, you can get through things. And um, you can trust that your body can do certain things. So there's been a huge payoff for that weight training, which is my sixth practice. Um, the other new thing that I've been focusing on, number seven, is a macro balanced diet. So it means the macronutrients are protein, fat, and carbohydrates. Those three, they're the the uh, building blocks of all of the food that we consume. And focusing on balancing those components in every meal and every snack, making sure I have some healthy protein, healthy fat, and healthy carbohydrate in every meal and snack that I consume. It's a really different way of thinking about eating for me but it's made a big difference. I've always had low blood sugar my whole life and eating this balanced diet has been the best thing for me at managing my blood sugar, keeping it uh, in balance and avoiding spikes of insulin and drops in my blood sugar that result from that. So this way of eating has also been really helpful to me. And in general, it has helped me feel so much better, have fewer headaches, fewer kind of crashing spells where I get super tired or exhausted. And so that's, that's made a big difference for me too. And I had no idea that these small little changes, because really it's not very different than the way I used to eat before. It's just that for some snacks, or some meals, I add one tiny component, like maybe I eat a few olives with dinner to make sure I get a little bit more healthy fat in my diet, something like that. It's just making small tweaks here and there, but it's made a significant difference. So combined with the weight training and then eating better and all the other practices I mentioned before, 
it's, it's made a big difference in how I feel and my energy level. Again, very important to me because I'm a grandmother and I want to have enough stamina and endurance to help take care of my granddaughter and hopefully additional grandchildren in the future. So, uh, so I'm just excited about these practices that I've discovered that are helping me so much. And then the last three practices I will mention all fall under the heading of self-compassion. And I've mentioned self-compassion in a couple of other podcasts, but I wanted to bring it up again because it's been brand new to me this year. And I actually, I actually got introduced to the idea of self-compassion from my coach. And I have a kind of a well-being coach and she's the person who has helped me with strength training and also with the balanced diet. But she is the person who told me, you need more self-compassion and you need to learn some self-compassion practices. So she directed me to uh, Kirsten Neff's website, self-compassion.org. And I'll leave a link to it in the show notes. And there I learned some practices. And there are three of them that I've started doing that also, along with everything else, have really changed everything for me this year. I've always been super judgmental of myself, very harsh with myself, how I think about myself and um, treat myself. I'm a taskmaster and I drive myself hard and push myself to do things. And I, I judge myself in severe ways if I don't accomplish what I think I should accomplish or if I happen to make a mistake or just, just have a failure in some ways. I'm so hard on myself and I have been my entire life. So the idea of intentionally focusing on self-compassion, that's very new and foreign to me, but I have been working on that all this year and it's paying off. It's making a difference. And I'm going to tell you three practices that I love that I got from the self-compassion website. So the first one is simply thinking about how would I treat a friend right now who was in this situation? What would I say to my best friend who was going through what I'm going through right now? And when I think that way, I stop and listen to the thoughts that are going through my head. And I ask myself, would I ever say any of those things to my friend who was having a hard time right now? And the answer is obviously no, no way would I ever say that to a friend or treat my friend that way. Then I stop and think, well, what would I say to my friend? And I come up with these statements that are caring and kind and supportive and compassionate and it's so clear to me, that is how I need to be talking to myself, not the harsh, angry <laughs> judgments that, that are running through my head. So even though those judgments are there, when I realize this is what I would say to my friend in the moment, I say it to myself to counteract the negativity of all the thoughts in my head. I still have all the negative thoughts, but the work that is being done is arguing with those negative thoughts and counteracting them with these words of kindness that I would say to my friend. And so just thinking about that, just that very question, what would I say to my best friend right now in this situation? 
That question alone has really helped me shift. Again, I begin with all the self-judgment, all the self-loathing, all the, all the self-hatred it arises in me, all the thoughts come up, but I'm able to pause for a second. And then the question comes to me, what would I say to my best friend? How would I treat my best friend right now? And then I have to make the effort of shifting my perspective and my thoughts a bit to that more positive and supportive place. I can't do it automatically. It doesn't happen for me that I just automatically feel compassion for myself, but I know how to work on it. I know how to practice it in the moment when this, the self-loathing and self-judgment arises. So that, how would I treat my best friend? That's the first exercise that has been really powerful for me. The next exercise is heart-centered breathing. And this is something I learned a long time ago from the HeartMath Institute too, but it's part of self-compassion of this idea um, when I'm feeling bad or feeling down or something is not going well, to put one hand over my heart and just close my eyes and breathe in and envision that I'm breathing light and love and warmth into my heart and filling up my heart with all of this energy, this positive energy of light and, and love. And eventually when my heart feels full enough and it begins to overflow, on the out breath, I imagine that I'm uh, radiating that light and love out to other people. And so that heart-centered breathing, it, it really helps me see that it's okay for me to take in more positivity and I need to take it in if I'm having a rough time. And so just stopping and do that, doing that breathing can also help me shift and help, help me soothe myself in a way if I'm in the middle of, you know, I've made a really bad mistake and I feel terrible, I feel guilty about it and I'm struggling and I don't know what to do next. If I can stop, put my hand over my heart and um, take some deep breaths, that can really help me, help me shift in that very moment. So heart-centered breathing is uh, one, one way of shifting out of judgment and into greater acceptance and tolerance. And then number 10, the, so the third self-compassion practice that I've been utilizing is something on the website that's called the self-compassion break. And so this has three parts to it. And the first is to just acknowledge the pain and to allow yourself to just say, oh, I'm really hurting right now. Oh, I feel so discouraged. Oh, I'm scared. Oh, I... I'm so mad at myself. I'm so frustrated that this happened. Whatever the feelings are that arise, and they don't have to even be judged as being negative or positive feelings, but allowing the feelings in the moment to be present and simply acknowledging that they're there. Like, yes, this is how it feels right now. And I'm I, this feels heavy to me. This is hard. I'm hurting right now because of what happened. And that acknowledgement is super important because it keeps us from shoving uh, all of these more difficult emotions into the subconscious. It keeps us from repressing them. It forces us to acknowledge them. We turn around and face whatever the pain is and just hold it and be with the pain. That is the very best way that we can navigate the pain is simply being with it in the moment. So 
this, that's the first step is just allowing the pain to be there, recognizing it and holding it in that moment, uh, free of judgment. But the second step, this is, is really a crucial step because this is what helps us helps prevent us from falling into victim mode where our next step is to say, oh, I feel so sorry for myself. Oh, this isn't fair. Why is this happening to me? The second step is to, is first you say, I'm really suffering right now. But the second step is to say, suffering is part of life. Everyone suffers. Many people are suffering in the same way I'm suffering right now. It's common. Suffering is just part of life because that recognition is what keeps us, again, from from falling into victimhood and from becoming narcissistic about our own pain and suffering. The recognition that suffering happens to everyone. It is part of being alive on this planet. And even, you know, every creature on the planet, every living thing on the planet suffers in its own way. And when we can see that and acknowledge it, we can feel this greater connection around us that actually we're part of this vast network that is coping with and dealing with suffering in life because it's just part of life. It comes to us. It happens. It's part of how life is. I think it's really powerful. Again, as I said, it keeps us from becoming perpetual victims, um, from feeling like we're being persecuted and life isn't fair to realize, oh no, this is just life. This is how life is. This is just what is happening for me right now that I need to deal with. So I love that step. I think it's really crucial. And once again, part of this, this is all part of the inward arc that we talked about um, last week and how we grow ourselves and in, in transform ourselves inwardly after we're, we've kind of maxed out our outward growth in life, how we work on ourselves inwardly, we work on our higher consciousness, developing and transforming it. So again, all these practices that, that I'm talking about here, they're part of the inward arc, even though some of them are focused on the body, the physical self, it's still part of the inward arc. It's helping me go deeper, helping me grow and heal and, and transform parts of myself that have not been so fully developed in the past. So, okay, part three of this self-compassion break is to simply say, may I be kind to myself. So these three parts are, I'm suffering right now, number one. Number two, suffering is part of life. And number three, may I be kind to myself. So that the response to acknowledging and feeling my own pain and from just witnessing it and holding it, the response to it is simply to be kind to myself. I'm not judging, not punishing myself, not loathing myself. Just be kind in this moment to myself. That's what is needed in a moment of suffering, just kindness. And there's this natural extension from that practice of being kind to myself, which is just like the heart-centered breathing that ultimately self-kindness begins to overflow 
and it extends and radiates out to other people as well. And it almost happens naturally, like we can't even stop it from happening. It begins to flow from us. So even though Again, we always have these fears when we talk about self, anything, self-compassion, self-love, self-esteem, that it is selfish and to be selfish is a bad thing and wrong. But self-compassion is so powerful and it's how we grow ourselves to show more compassion and more kindness to the rest of the world. So it's essential as the baseline of how, how we function, how we treat ourselves that allows us to show up in the world with greater love and compassion as well. So I'm just going to mention my 10 things one more time. I'll just go through the list really quickly. First of all, yoga stretches and some flow movements just to help my body get going. Number two, mindfulness through off and on throughout the day. Number three, journaling, um, which I need to do right now today because I skipped it this morning. (laughs) Number four, breathing and using the breath as a tool whenever there's a tense or challenging situation. Number five, walking or hiking outdoors, getting outside in nature. Number six, strength training, using weights to actually build more muscle and get my body stronger. Number seven, eating a macro balanced diet, focusing on the macronutrients and making sure they're in balance. Super powerful for me. And then the last three are the self-compassion practices. How would I treat my best friend right now in this situation? Um, The number nine practice is heart-centered breathing. And the last one, again, the self-compassion break with those three parts that I that I just talked about. So that's been my 2022. Those are the things that I've worked on all this year. I can honestly say it's made such a difference. And I've been really busy. A lot has happened this year. And I, and I've been working really hard. And yet I have more energy, I have more passion for life, more vitality and excitement and um, feel more connected and more in the flow than I ever have in the past. And I'm loving every moment of it. And so I believe these practices has help, have helped me in one way or another this year. And I just wanted to share them with you. And I encourage you, um, sit back and think about your year. How has it gone? What has made things better for you? What have you changed or worked on that has made life better for you? It's great to stop and do that self-reflection and then just be grateful, grateful to yourself, grateful to your life for the ability to learn new things and to grow and change. So as we say goodbye to 2022, I will say goodbye to you. And again, I'll take a one week off and then I'll be back in the new year and we'll start, get started and dive right into some new topics then. So until that episode, I just want to wish you and all of your beloveds a wonderful holiday season. I hope that it is rich and meaningful for you. I know that many people are dealing with pain and grief and suffering at holiday time. I know it can be a challenging time. And yet in the midst of all of that pain, may you find light, may you find love, 
May you see miracles around you and enjoy enjoy the deeper meaning of these days. And so until we're together in two weeks, remember that we're here for love. So if nothing else, just focus on love. That alone would change everything. Face your fear. Be ready for whatever life brings you next and love each and every moment of your very precious life. Bye-bye.